Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today's episode I've been looking forward to for a while. We've been having various conversations about this conversation coming up. You know, we have a very uh, busy professional here uh, and mother who is a specialist in, in speech language pathology, but is also a business owner and is going to bring a really fresh perspective uh, to uh, the world of brain health today. So, uh, Carrie King, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Looking forward to it. That's great. So, so Carrie, for our audience really quickly, you know, what was it that sort of led you into this field of speech language pathology? And maybe for our listeners, I think you may be the first SLP on the show. Maybe unpack what that actually means for our listeners. Sure. Great question. So if we rewind, um, going back about 15 years, I was in university and have always had an interest in health and particularly helping um, young, so pediatric, helping young clients. And so I was doing the traditional, okay, you're either a teacher, a doctor, or a lawyer. So I thought I'll be a doctor. That's the only option available. And long story short, stumbled upon this option in conversation with someone I had never heard of the career or the profession before. And so quickly um, sort of switched paths as I decided this was the profession for me. It's a great combination. When we think of speech language pathology, it's a great combination of those who like the health field, those who like teaching, rehab. Anything like that where you're working in health, but you're also helping to teach um, is a great combination that way as a therapist. And so that's what sort of launched me was just having that conversation with someone who herself was a speech pathologist and it just felt right for me. And fast forward uh, to 2010, I began my career and my um, first job was actually at a practice that exclusively worked with clients who had suffered from brain injuries due to motor vehicle collision. So I was thrown right into that and it's quite a job to start in as a new graduate. And um, so my my clients were all, you know, TBI, mild TBI, brain injury, traumatic brain injuries. And we were doing our thing with with them as far as rehab goes. So it was quite um, the demand. And as far as, you know, what what is a speech pathologist? That's the question that we would often get with clients with brain injury. But the way I like to summarize it is we help to improve the function or how the, the uh, how something's working for the areas of the body that involve the neck and up. So that's a nice summary. So, you know, if someone has an issue or growth, let's say on their throat and they go to a, an ENT, an ear, nose and throat doctor to fix it, they do the surgery. That specialist can do the surgery. It's invasive. They go in and check it out. But afterwards, that person, if the, the, the growth is on their vocal folds, they lose their voice. And so, yes, the growth is gone, but who helps them get their voice back? So we help them to regain the function of that voice. So we work with voice in the neck area, swallowing issues after a stroke or after some sort of injury. In the mouth, we work with speech, of course. So lots of people are familiar with speech therapists. That's another way that we're termed. So speech therapists, we work with children who have articulation issues. They have a hard time with the muscles of the mouth and the face to say their sounds, um, fluency or stuttering issues, et cetera. So anything to do with speech or chewing, anything you do with the neck and up region, as far as the swallowing, speaking, chewing, 
et cetera, we do that. And then the interesting part is we also therefore help with the brain. And so in our field specifically, we help with cognitive communication. So as you and I are talking right now, you're listening to me, processing what I'm saying, formulating your question or your response, you're paying attention, you're ignoring distractions. Those are all difficult for some people who've had a brain injury or who've had some sort of illness or condition. So we help with the brain side of communication. Love it. That's so mm-hmm. well said, Terry. And, you know, it's really interesting how you came in. I always find it fascinating to hear how people came into the careers that they came into. It's very interesting. So when you think about the field then of speech language pathology in general, what would you say when we think about that generalized term, um, you know, brain health? Yeah. How would you like to see the hope for the future of, of one, uh, speech language pathology, and then two, into the generalized world of brain health? Sure. So I think when I think of speech pathology and where I would love to see it go from my clinical experience and practice is I would love to see um, us being able to capitalize on technology to help individuals who've experienced an injury. And what I mean by that is, is there is so much technology out there. One of the studies or papers that I did in university was about the brain-computer interface, so BCI, which is fascinating for people who are sort of have that locked-in syndrome. They can think and, and, and everything okay. Their brain's okay, but their body's not functioning fine, such as ALS. And mm-hmm. so it's fascinating to me how technology can help us to communicate. When I think about speech pathology specifically, communication is... The, such a complex thing that we do, such a complex function that we do as humans, yet we all take it for granted, right? And um, and so the fact that there's so much technology out there to help people learn how to walk again and do all these other things again, and, and yet I feel that with communication being such a complex function, there's got to be a way to you know capitalize on technology to help people regain their ability to find their words or, or regain their ability to remember and make sense of things and, and communicate and understand and follow. And so you know, with my interest in the BCI and the brain-computer interface back then, being stimulated with technology and how it helps the body and communication and such, you know, fast forward to my clinical practice now, I do see a lot. I know that there are many out there that I'm not aware of. A lot of programs out there that are for people to do like brain training and brain exercises and all of that as a preventative measure for brain health or as a, as a treatment, right? As intervention to treat or fix something. And so I think that that's great. I just want to know, is it evidence-based? Are they getting better at the task? Are they getting better at the brain training game when they log in? Are they just improving their score on that? Or do they also see results in everyday life? So is there a functional transfer? Transfers, yeah. There's a generalized to all of their skills in everyday life. And that, to me, the key where I think, okay, this is so fascinating. There's so much out there for technology and communication and helping us as humans do that. But, you know, where's the evidence to show that it's that, you know, for particularly for speech therapy as, as far as what we do um, to show that it does have that, a good outcome, that it's evidence-based it. for transferring. Yeah, transferring those skills. I love it. That's so great. I, I love, I totally share that with you. That was my big thing early on when I when I was exposed to this work was I was always curious when we looked at when we looked at it physically. I remember when I had knee surgeries when I when I played football. I remember the goal was not just to have a successful knee surgery outcome. The goal was to be able to take that first three inch jab step properly, functionally right. in real time. That was actually yes. the goal, not not to have a good 
incision, a, a full repair. The actual goal was to be able to do that particular functional That's activity. Right. Function. It was about the transfer. And then that was always my concern when I heard about other tools out there that were these brain training tools. They were almost talking about relatively fun and relatively sort of easy to engage with tools. And, you know, the hope for that is interesting. But I was concerned about that because when I thought about the jab step, <laughs> I remember that not being all that fun, right. uh, not being all, but I remember it being extremely focused, extremely intentional and extremely clear. So right. when I thought about that rehabilitation process, and then I thought about these brain games, I went, these don't add up. No. <laughs> these are very different. Right. And I was like, it, likely the outcomes are not going to be the same if the function is to be able to, if I'm having a concern with my speech following stroke, something mm -hmm. that may be coined like something like an aphasia. Okay, mm -hmm. how is this particular brain training task going to actually influence the improvement of the transferability of my speech? Right. So right. maybe talk a little bit to that because that is the frustration we share. Yes, yes. Well said. I absolutely agree. So the idea that, you know, and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I think there's no harm no, as far as no. people are clear. So I have to do a lot of education and I'm not knocking any particular program. It's just, you know, making sure people are clear that you, your scores will get better, but it may not necessarily mean an improvement in your daily life. And particularly mm -hmm. for like the attention and memory um, piece of things, yeah. executive functioning, where a speech pathologist and I'll, I'll fan on executive functioning term, we're basically, you know, a speech pathologist, we help people with their goal planning and their prioritizing and being able to make some decisions and do your, you know, quick thinking on the spot, being able to sort of filter information and, and all of these things that we need to do as we're taking information in or providing information out in our day-to-day -day functions, that executive functioning is so important. And so I do agree where it's like, you can get better. And some people might say that, well, yeah, I did actually feel like I improved. I've had a client, a couple of clients say mm -hmm. with a particular program, they felt like they, they saw some improvement, but again, I just think, okay, well, so then where's, how do we say that for sure, that that's not just you generally spontaneously also improving as we know tr the trajectory of brain injury, right? Um, mm -hmm. You don't expect a decline over time. You expect an improvement in, in plateauing, but yeah. So it is frustrating because you don't want people to have that false hope of like, I'm going to do this and that's all I need, you know, but you know, they need to be clear. And so for me, the evidence, the evidence, the evidence, is, is, is it evidence-based? Is it um, providing us with functional gains versus just wasting, not wasting, but spending time doing I it? I hear you. I hear you. That's a good point. I mean, that, that's what I, you know, I, I think I keep coming back to a very logical book, uh, Atomic Habits. Where it's just yeah, okay. It. Game's clear. It's a it's a very good book, I think, because it really makes it clear how to change behavior. That it's not an easy thing to do. It, mm -hmm. it relates to you know whether you agree or disagree on the on the specific the ten thousand hour sort of concept of of building mastery and then changing behavior in, mm -hmm. in a task. So if you're trying to live a, a more intentional life in terms of doing what you want to do, you need to build the wireframe. And, and then have the schedule and put in the time towards the activities you want to achieve. So that's part of what sort of led us to a communication, which is that's kind of what we designed with this Bears platform was, okay, if people want to improve their brain health, okay, here's ways to support clinicians as they help their clients mm -hmm. by exhausting sort of the um, aerobic exercise for brain health, you know, rehabilitation and training for neuroplastic mm -hmm. behavioral change. Uh, mindfulness meditation to to help support emotional regulation and, and overall mental and brain health 
And then looking at really kind of valid, normed, and reliable ways to track the activities and daily living of that particular mm-hmm. individual from baseline through, mm-hmm. all the way through. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the frustrations I had. And then talking with some of the clinics, I was like, oh, you already do this. Wonderful. You do aerobic exercise. It's so great. How are you measuring it? Exactly. Well, we just do it. I'm like, but that's not really measuring it. Right. <laughs> then, How do you know they're going to get better? Yeah. Yes. Which is awesome. But we found as, and maybe this is something you could speak to. We do find sometimes, especially when we're in community, you know, compliance can be an issue. You yes. know, uh, ask any physiotherapist on earth, right? Yes. Ask any FLP, I'm sure. At yeah. times, well, have you done the proper exercises that were prescribed to you uh, in a way that was limiting the amount of compensatory strategy yes. that you utilize while doing the intentional exercise? Maybe talk a yes. little bit to that for our audience, because I think sure. that's a great topic. Sure. So I will say what I was drawn to in the ABI wellness program was, yes, the fact that there is tracking to measure successful outcomes. And and in our field, it's all about outcome measures from the patient, you know, what they report, what do family members report, but to have objective outcomes, like here's actually your score improved is helpful because that's where technology can help us do that better. You know, there's right. the paper based, there's the old, you know, way of like, oh, you let's redo this test again and it's paper based and whatnot, but it doesn't, it's not responsive, right? And you think about if I grab a book and have you take a page out of there as a patient and I have you do that test today and then in three months, my hope is that with therapy you've gotten better, but you, or you could have just memorized the test, the the exercise, right? So it's nice to have things that are responsive to your to the client in the sense that they are memorizing a task, they're doing something new in the same task to then show, yep, they got really, they did get better at the task versus memorized it. And so, yes, the outcome measures for us are huge to say that our, what we're doing is working or not working. Mm-hmm. Let's change right. course. Right. And so one thing that I, in addition to the fact that you guys have the tracking um, available for progress, I also really appreciate the pull away from compensatory strategies. And I'm not saying that I don't use them or teach them to people. I think there's a place for them temporarily. Yeah. If I, I like to use the analogy of a crutch, right? I would never, if I, God forbid, I broke my leg or something, I would go to a physio and they'd give me a crutch, but I'd also go to physio to do exercises to regain function. And I wouldn't want the crutch forever. <laughs> so how are we, as me, as a speech therapist, who's helping someone with their brain and communication, which is huge for life participation for health, how do we teach compensatory strategies, but also push them to not rely on them, you know? And so I really appreciate that this program is saying, don't compensate, don't try to find an easier way around it. Push yourself, get that neuroplasticity going, you know, and and push yourself. I I have a lot of clients who use the phone. We teach a lot of for brain injury clients. Here's how you can use your phone. Here's an app to help you remember this. Here's an app to help you remember that. That's all great. But the caveat that I really try and, and, and emphasize with clients is this is great for now, but still mm-hmm. you want to challenge yourself. You want to be successful. You want to remember your appointments. So yes, have your backup brain, I call it, which is your phone and your calendar. That's okay to be organized. But to rely on that and not push yourself to try and remember things and try and you know organize your tasks and whatnot is doing a disservice to clients, I think, is my sense, my, my clinical intuition. Well said. Well said, Carrie. Like I think, I think the time. It's really interesting to see. Timing's a funny thing. Mm-hmm. You know, more and more people I think are starting to come on board with exactly what you're saying. And I think that doing best by the people for which we serve, we almost I almost feel like we have a responsibility now to at least provide the neuroplastic option yes. and, and provide informed choice. 
against compensatory strategy. Just know what that is first. Yes. Um, prior to making a decision to to go down that road. And so many, you know, I feel such a responsibility. This is part of why we do this this, this podcast is to share innovative uh, approaches and professionals out there doing great work. Right. Uh, not just the ABI wellness work, but other great work uh, so that people can have more options to um, improve their own practice, improve their own quality of life. Uh, ultimately, you know, my job professionally is really to help professionals and organizations. So we're, we're not losing as many good people in this field, you know, right. because so many people are, are having to reinvent the wheel when they see someone that may have, you know, a cognitive symptom presentation and, you know, following a stroke at 57 year old mm-hmm. with the other comorbid- comorbidities and mm-hmm. then having to run many different assessments before even getting treatment. Mm-hmm. And then others may be dealing with this really problematic post concussion syndrome of, a rugby player from Queens at 19 year old who has no other comorbidity, but still failed return to work, return mm-hmm. to school twice. Mm-hmm. Why? Right. So right. if we can lead with more interdisciplinary neuroplastic options, along with functional right. together, we're ultimately, I think, going to be able to make better decisions clinically and also mm-hmm. be able to engage that individual in more active rehab faster. So right. that's what it's all about for me. I think you and I are on the same page, but that's really what it's all about. You're firing me up, Mark. <laughs> I love that. The fact that it's informed decisions versus guessing, like, let's just try this or do that. Like, let's, no, let's show where you're at. Here's where you're going to get to if you do this, right? That's at least the expectation. That's what it's all about. Um, it's what it's all about. And we got a great opportunity to improve, right? That's the really exciting part. Because when I look at other areas of medicine, when I look at mental health, we're starting to make pretty significant improvements, actually. When we look at pulmonary and cardiac rehab and even ambulatory and outpatient cancer rehab, we're, we're seeing the, the needle move, but mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to see, but we need to ensure that, that in brain health, we're doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it in a way that is interdisciplinary so that when we need neurology, we can, we can have neurology informed. Right. When we need speech language pathology, we can have that informed. When we need OT, we can have OT informed. When we need physio, we can have that informed so that together we can have ultimately the best active rehab process possible. So. Right. That's what it's all about, you know. It's like yes. a, it's almost like going to church here on a what day is it? Thursday, you know. Uh, you know, it's pretty awesome to to hear, you know, where you're at in your practice. So yes. when you think about, you know, your influences in this work, here's someone who's pretty highly educated, highly trained, and highly experienced. Not only as an SLP, but somebody who also operates an organization. What are some of your greatest influences in this work that helped to shape the way which you you see it? Sure. I would absolutely say that, you know, the inspiration from my professors, if I think about those who, you know, really pushed my interest in the brain and, yeah. and the amazingness that the brain is, as far as your neuroanatomy and all of that. And so, you know, influenced by certainly by that, because for some people, it was an, a big, hard no, I am not doing brain injury. Whereas for me, I'm like, this is challenging, fascinating, and there's so much room to help this, you know, these clients. So definitely inspired by some great professors, definitely inspired by my first job um, here in London at the clinic where we focused uh, solely on brain injured patients. And then, of course, inspired by patients, right, by the clients who have in tears or in, in, you know, whatever emotion it might be shared, you know, the impact of the fact that I can walk, they can talk, they can walk just fine. And there is this invisible suffering that they're going through and everyone wonders, you know, why can't you do this or why can't you do that? And they're just thinking if you if you only knew 
what you take for granted, which is your brain's working just fine. And this person's is not, uh, not after their injury. And so that inspires me to push to try and find, you know, better solutions for clients. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's so great. So for people that are out there, maybe they're, they're in sort of on the province of Ontario, or maybe they're right in London. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have a loved one or they're interested in, in, in the field. Maybe they want to mentor. Maybe they want to learn. Who knows? Maybe they, they want to be volunteer. You never know. How do people reach out to you and learn more about, you know, your good work at Connect Speech and, and all that you're doing? Yes, they are welcome to go to my website, connectspeech.ca, www.connectspeech.ca. And they're welcome to take a look there. I have a contact form or if they just want to ask a question. And we can connect that way. Of course, there, there's an email address there if they would prefer to email. So that would be the easiest, I'd say, is just find okay. me online. Find me on website. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for sharing the work that you're doing. I'm excited for you. I mean, for those of you that are listening, yes, yes. You know, Carrie is bringing the ABA Wellness Bears program into her, into her practice, which is exciting because it's going to be a, an opportunity to further extend uh, the impact of some of her services. So. Uh, We're excited about that. So stay tuned for that. And uh, any final words for our listeners? Sure. I would, I appreciate the opportunity to add just one last thing. I think that often when people, if we talk about brain injury and concussion, you know, often people think, okay, concussion is just a headache and there's that sort of mislabeling or miss, I think it's it's better labeled to say mild traumatic brain injury, in my opinion, because it sort of calls it what it really is. And so, you know, often people don't realize that after their brain injury, if you think about the recovery and, and all of that, there is a good chunk, whether it's professionals or the, the individual themselves, not realizing that there's a good chunk of people who do not fully recover as far as all mm-hmm. of the cognitive communication issues. So up to 30%, 15 to 30% of people can have long-term. And I know you talked about post-concussion um, earlier. And so mm-hmm. that's where a speech pathologist that where we come in, just to kind of be clear, I know for some people, they might think, well, why, when would I need a speech pathologist and why? Um, the idea that there may be lingering, persistent issues with memory, anything to do with cognition, memory, attention, planning, making decisions, being able to put information together and process it quickly, mm-hmm. which then could affect your ability to converse, talk in a group, find your words, present, read, take information in, write, put information out, share your thoughts in a debate, anything like that where someone's struggling, whether it's academically and work with the thinking and the talking. That's where we come in. Love it. That's great. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing all your work with our audience today, Carrie. We're excited to get started and working together. And uh, I really encourage everything will be clickable in the show notes. So you can just look up her website, just click right through to it or send her an email. And uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode. Thank you, Mark, for the opportunity. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask, please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. 
If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the BEARS platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. A training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neural rehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.